This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness, and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. everyone. This interview is with Vanessa who teaches at a special school in southeast Queensland. It's a really good interview full of practical tips. Um, I do have to apologize there's a bit of a rustle on my end of um, of the interview so I'm a, I apologize about that. But Vanessa and I talk about um, what it's like to come back to teaching you know part-time after being on maternity leave and how that requires a bit of a, ch- a shift in, in um, a teaching persona or in, in your sense of identity around teaching and the importance of boundary setting. And Vanessa also has some really great advice about setting up structures and routines that can help prevent decision fatigue and make sure that we can maintain our self-care even in the midst of really busy times. So it's a great interview and I think you're going to enjoy it. Just before we get to it, I would like to remind you that if you'd like to contribute to the Teacher Wellbeing podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers and there you'll be able to find some information about what Patreon is and you can donate as little as $2 a month to keep the podcast sustainable and consistent. All right, enjoy the interview. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Ah, uh, that's no worries. Can you tell us a little Glad bit about your um, teaching background and your teaching context so we get to know you a little bit? Yeah, well, I didn't actually start out life wanting to be a teacher and um, I kind of, I did another undergraduate degree and I kind of got towards the end of it and was like, oh, I don't really know what I want to do. So I was like, I'll tack a dip head on to the end and, you know, it's not going to make me less employable, but I really ended up liking it. And when I got to the end of uni, I was broke and I'd broken up with my boyfriend, so I moved back home with my mum to like a little country town of about 10,000 people mm-hmm. and went back to work in the high school that I went to and I was only going to stay like a term or a semester and it ended up being three years. Wow. Um, and so that was great and I went from there teaching mostly English and history um, but partway through I got a different contract and part of it meant that I was working in the special ed unit at the school and I hadn't really had any special ed experience until then but I just remember that first day by morning tea I was just like oh wow this is this is great this is what I want to do and I was lucky that I kept getting to work in that special ed unit for about the next year and a half Um, and yeah I just kept loving it and then we moved over to London um, with my then boyfriend now husband mm-hmm. um he's not a teacher but um and I taught over there in a few different special schools um and got heaps and heaps of experience and yeah I bet you know I learned a whole heap of different what it was like in this school and programs that this school used and it was great to have all those range of experiences and to go oh well, it wasn't just those kids in that one country high school that I liked you know I like teaching special ed and this is what I want to do so when we moved back to Australia we moved to um, 
a coastal town in southeast Queensland, which isn't ideal for teaching work because that's where everyone wants to be. Um, but there were a few special schools around our area and so I just kept going back to them and volunteering and that turned into casual days and contracts and I've been there for about seven years now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, the first few years I was full-time um, and then I went on maternity leave about two years ago and so I had a year off and I've been back for about a year now doing part-time. I started off doing two days a week and then this year I've been doing three days a week. So. Yeah. And so how many years teaching altogether is that? Ten? Um, about 12, 12 which yeah. is, you know, if I, when I add it up, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm that old, but apparently I am. So <laughs> Time disappears real quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's unusual of, you know, that story of um, doing the dip ed, you know, on the end of your bachelor's degree and thinking, oh, well, it's be something to do. It's just, <laughs> just something to um, pay the bills before I go off and do whatever dream job. And then you realise that you actually really like it because teaching is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's great. Especially when, you know, I think especially when you can find yourself in those classrooms, you know, whether it's special ed or, you know, whatever area is that makes your heart sing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. But it's not all roses. Um, um, no. <laughs> so I know that you have had some challenges. So can you talk to us about the challenges that you've experienced, you know, in your life and, and um, in your teaching career? Yeah. Well, so I guess I work in a special school, so already the kids come with their own set of challenges I mean I've got six kids in my class and a teacher aide so you know our ratios are pretty low but and some are even lower some classes are only four kids but it's remembering that our kids are with us because mainstream school for whatever reason didn't Didn't work work. Mm. for them Um, and the kids are great but because I've got six kids I've got um some kids that are working on counting one to three and then I've got some kids who are working on adding and subtracting to 100 and, you know, I've got to teach a big range to those six kids all at once. So when I'm teaching a single, you know, say hour of maths lesson, I'm really kind of teaching three hours of maths yeah. because of that differentiation and that's tricky sometimes to get the balance right and not feel like you're missing those kids or missing these ones or and um, yeah, yeah so I that's think that's always, a constant challenge. But yeah, particularly in whatever kind in, of classroom. Yeah, but particularly in the special needs area where, where the, the differences in the needs can be so great. Yeah. Um, and the kids do come with, you know, some come with behaviour challenges or a lot come with potential behaviour challenges. Um, and I guess what we kind of deal with in the school, our normal and what we accept as normal and just every day, most people wouldn't think that was normal mm. and you know, I mean, I haven't had any of the real high-flying behaviour kids and most of our kids are so amazing and beautiful and funny and, but, you know, there are those kids that have challenges some days and, you know, you get, I've been hit and kicked and bitten and and that happens and it's not an out-of-the-ordinary thing necessarily. It's not, oh, you got, you know, and then I'll be talking to a friend or something and they're, horrified and I'm like yeah yeah sorry (laughs) well because I mean that is that that is part I suppose as you say that that's kind of normal it's not out of the ordinary in your teaching context but that still um can be really challenging have have, do you find that challenging or you just kind of go oh yeah that's normal um I guess a bit of both and some days it's fine and then some days it'll be something little that'll happen and that'll be the thing that'll (laughs) kind of push you over the edge almost and it's not even necessarily the big things that do that to you and I think understanding that 
there's a reason why it's happening. It's not they're not necessarily just being naughty kids. They, you know, they've got their sensory issues, or it's because of something that's happened at home, or their anxieties through the roof because of you know they don't have their normal teacher that day, yeah. or you know, there's always that understanding of what's behind it and what's driving that behaviour. So, and so having that understanding of what's driving the behaviour, um, what I hear you saying is that that helps you on the days when it is really difficult for you you're able to have some compassion for those students as well, um, yeah. knowing where they're coming and that from. Empathy and understanding and, you know, they're not just being hard for the sake of being hard. Mm, yeah. And, yeah, because they've got, as we said, they've got their challenges as well. Yeah. Um, and I guess personally, you know, I can get anxiety and overthinking and that's stuck in your head and those stories on repeat and the list of to-dos that just go round and round and round and, and it's funny because when I'm in class, that's not happening. And I guess because I'm focused and I'm in the moment and I'm, you know, dealing with whatever's in front of me at the time. And but it's in the car on the way home, or it's that night when you go to bed, yeah. or it's then that you know those thoughts come in, and it's really hard to break them. Yeah, well, it's hard to get out of that. Um, it's almost a, it's a loop. It's a thinking loop, isn't it? But you're yeah. sort of stuck in a bit of a sp- spiral. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, and I know that you have some have done a fair bit of personal development and have some strategies to help you know manage um that anxiety and and mitigate it you know where possible can you talk to us about that yeah um part of it I guess yeah I have done a fair bit of personal development so I kind of I know myself quite well and I know what I need and how far I can go before I need to go back the other way or and I guess too that's age as well being in my 30s now you know, I've got that bit more experience and that bit more life experience that I can recognise when I'm going too hard in one area or I need to step it up a bit more. Um, but one of the things that when my head's just going crazy is I write it down and, you know, so I'll write my to-do list out or I'll, you know, and I'll, it might be two pages long and I'll just write everything down. And when I think of something, I put it down and it just kind of gets it out of my head and I yes. can almost say to my head, yep, thanks. You've done your job. You've reminded me of those things, but I've got it down now. And, and then kind of looking at that list and going, okay, what can I do? What what needs to be done for mm. tomorrow? What needs to be done for this week? Or what what's the essentials yeah. here? And some of those things have probably been on that list for, you know, four years now and they haven't been done because they're those want-to-dos if I magically got an extra five hours in my day. Yeah, totally. Um, but And then sometimes I do those things because they're not essentials, but every day I look at that thing and it needs a label because the post-it keeps falling off and it drives me nuts every day. So I'm like, right, I'm just going to make the label, yep. make it look good, stick it on, and then it's done and then I don't have to think about it anymore. So Yeah, I call them the niggling tasks, the ones <laughs> yeah. that, like, they're not really urgent and they're not even that important, but they're, they're small little annoyances. That... And it just annoys you, yeah, every day and you're just like, right, I just got to make this label, spend the five minutes doing it. Yeah. And then that's ticked off and I can tick off my job and... Yeah, and you um, don't have to keep picking up the post-it every day or <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. or annoyed because you know, it's torn or it's whatever now. So, mm. um, and I guess it's also, it's really the simple things that I need to focus on. And I know like sleep and it's not always easy with a toddler, No, you, you know, can wake up early or wake up through the night. But, and I try to wake up early most mornings just so that I get a little bit of time to myself, even if it's just so I can have a shower and get dressed before he's up and, yep. you know, wanting to play or so I can have a cup of tea. But that also means that then I have to go to bed early at night as well. So it's kind of setting up those structures and routines so that I go to bed early so I can wake up early and yeah. I have that little bit of time in the morning and at night 
where I'll go to bed and I'll read and I'll just have that bit of time to myself because I'm an introvert. But then in my job and even at home with a toddler, it's a lot of giving of energy and Mm. keeping them happy and, you know, keeping them going and let's keep going and (laughs) even when you don't want to be and, okay, but let's, you know. Yeah, that's right. You've got to to. You've got to keep pouring, but you've got to have those little moments where you can fill up your own cup so there's something to give in those yeah. in those times where you've got to keep encouraging the toddlers and the students and yeah. everyone else. And, yeah, because I'm still – he's only got one mum mm. and he deserves a good me, as my kids at school do and my husband does and I do you too. Do. And yeah. I notice that when I'm not having that bit of time in the morning or I'm staying up late, not having that little bit of time to read before I go to bed, you know, it does affect me. And earlier this year, we had a really busy, and I don't like saying that, but um, we decided to sell our house. So we had to renovate, finish renovating. So we had to move out and then we moved back in and then we were selling and um, then we moved out and had to go to a rental for just a few weeks. And so there were just a lot of moves and a lot of busyness and a mm. lot of mess. And it was just like, oh, it was really awful. It's not like looking back now, it's like, oh, it's not that bad. But at the time it was just really yuck yeah well it's a and, lot it's a lot of extra hassle and a lot of extra things to do yeah plus just, just chaos at home when you're yes used to and so all those kind of structures that I normally have in life that I kind of set up so that you know I sleep well and we eat well and I move and I drink enough water it just kind of fell away when I really needed them and it was because we were in rentals so we didn't do our meal planning properly and so then every night we were just deciding what we'd have for dinner and so we'd get lots of takeaway or we'd you know make that not ideal choice when you get to the supermarket at five o'clock after work rather than sitting down and meal planning earlier in the week Mm. and And going okay then isn't it because then you know you're starving and you just need something and yeah and even I didn't do my normal cook up on a Sunday for lunches for the week so then I'd eat something you know like a toasted cheese sandwich or crackers for lunch so I wasn't eating well then and so you know and it was just this whole thing and then we were staying up later at night and I was and it just when I really needed all that structure and routine because life was crazy Mm. I didn't have that and it was really like oh this is why I put these things into place it helps our family to run well and it helps me to be the best teacher I can be and the best person I can be so Mm. and it's interesting because we we know so well that routines and structure are so important in our classrooms and so important in our, you know, for our students. And yet it's often one of the things that we we kind of minimise the importance of it in our adult life. Um, yeah, and even, and even when like school term gets busy because we have those kind of flows when it's report time and suddenly you're not going to yoga, even though having that hour out to go to yoga would make you so much more effective and that's mm. what I notice I'm like oh, I'm too busy to do this I'm too busy to go for a walk this morning I'm too you know I've got too much to do but <laughs> yeah. then when I sit down to work I'm not working effectively or I'm not you know I'm sitting there I'm on Facebook or I'm on Pinterest or I'm kind of pretending to work but not really and yeah well because I think it's it's also it's an effort when there's lots to do it's an effort like doing those practices whether it's doing the meal cook-ups on a Sunday or getting to yoga or getting up early you know they take a little bit of effort, you know, and it can be really tempting and we all fall into the trap, you know, from time to time, but to go, oh, you know what, I don't have the energy to do that thing that's going to give me more energy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like when you're lying on the couch and you're too tired to get up and go to bed. <laughs> yeah, and so I'll just keep, and, you, and our lady is still there exactly but the, right. and the washing up is still in the sink and you've still got to brush your teeth but it's an hour later. <laughs> exactly. And you're, like, oh, just. and you're even more tired, yeah. <laughs> and to try to get around that, I try to put in those routines 
so that it does. I don't have to make a decision on the day because I'm worn out. I've made decisions all day for my toddler or for the class or for the whatever, and then I'm like, oh, I, don't, I just I can't make another decision. Like, yeah. I just don't ask me a question. Just tell me what to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so if I've written up, I'm going to yoga tonight or this is what we're doing for dinner or, you know, I get up at this time every morning, then that it just happens. Mm, takes the thinking out of it. And, and, yeah. and if there's if there's something else that gets in the way or, you know, some other thing pops up, it, it can also give you a kind of a redirect as well to go, no, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm, so was there anything else in, in terms of the, the strategies um, that you use in your daily life to, to support you? Um, I've also got quite a lot of boundaries around when I work and what I will do and um, because now I'm working part-time, when I first went back to part-time, I was like, oh, this will be great, you know, and I started only doing the two days a week and I thought, oh, this will be good, you know. I'm kind of not really the in-charge teacher in the classroom and mm. I thought I'd like that, being the kind of the second teacher, but I hated not having that control. And even though I'm three days now, it's still like, oh, and the teacher that I teach with, she's great, but she's got a very different style to me and that's really challenging and, and it's also challenging kind of going, I can't be the teacher that I was a few years ago because I have to leave that stuff in the tank for my son, yeah. or, you know, or I ha- some days I just have to leave to go pick him up from daycare. I can't stay as late as I would have in the past to get this done. So there's, um, a, there's a, I suppose, almost an identity um, shift a little bit for you to, to come to terms with the, the changes that are, you know, existing at the moment with a young child. Yeah that you, you know you can't life can't go on the same way as it was before before you had a child no and you don't want it to either but there's still an which, adjustment but there's still that oh like once upon a time I would have done bit, but yeah you know, that'll be fine yeah exactly well, um, and, and I suppose um that was going to be my my next question and I know this wasn't on my, on the list of questions that I sent you um but do you feel that having having taken some time off for maternity leave and then come back part-time um and having you know a toddler a little boy at home to really put things in perspective and and to change your your boundaries do you feel that that has um maybe is that what you needed to learn some of these shifts or do you think they would have happened anyway naturally has it made a big difference for you I think I'd already started to put some of them into place um even before I was pregnant I was quite unwell when I was pregnant um so that was a learning curve too um but not taking work home of a night time because often, you know, when you take your computer home and then it, like it almost stares at you and judges you because you're like, well, you said you were going to do this work and yes. <laughs> here I am, hi. And, and you can't quite switch off even if the computer no. is off because it's in the room. Yeah, it's in so the house. <laughs> I had, even though I still did longish days, I'd leave my computer at home because I was like, well, I'm not going to do anything anyway. And so I had started making changes, um, but I guess those boundaries are even more in place now um you know I don't work when my son's awake and I mean he wouldn't let me anyway because if I was (laughs) trying to he'd be banging on the keyboard and deleting stuff and that um and I don't do thinking work at night because I'm I'm brain dead at night yep anyway and if I tried to like we were talking about before it wouldn't be any good and I'd just be wasting time so I'm better off shutting it or not doing the work and coming back at a time when when you I do work well when mm. I and I can because I just have to fix it the next day anyway. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's amazing when I know that you know he's got he's going to sleep for probably an hour and a half, so I've got an hour and a half to work. That's I don't have all afternoon. I've got an hour and a half, so what can I get done in that hour and a half? And it's prioritizing and it's not going. Oh, I wonder what's happening on Facebook, or oh, I wonder, you know, just yeah. So and and so 
Um, I guess my next question there is, uh, I, I, I don't know if you know, do you know Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies? Yes. Do you, do you know what type you are? Yeah, I'm an obliger. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And, I love Gretchen. Yeah, me too. And um, so I'm, I'm curious to know whether having, you know, the accountability of a, of a, of a child to say, to be able to say no to things at school because you know that you can't do it because you have a child, has that made some of those conversations in the boundary setting actually easier because you feel like you've got a really strong why um, and the accountability of a little boy at home who will just come and tap the keyboard, you know, if, <laughs> if he's awake while you're working anyway? Has that made some of that um, boundary setting easier? Um, yeah, I think it has and it, I still, you know, there's still that whole list of stuff that needs doing and I guess sometimes the stuff that gets missed is the more fun stuff sometimes because the stuff you have to do is the paperwork and the things that are set by the department or the school whereas so once I've done that sometimes there's not much left over to make that really exciting fun lesson but um yeah and I guess having a toddler they don't let you (laughs) you know you don't have a choice but you've just got to (laughs) even if you want to not engage with them for five minutes they're going to make you so yeah well and (laughs) Uh, you know, certainly for me, a learning, a big learning, and I know I don't have um, kids, but a big learning for me, like once I figured out that I was an obliger, you know, because saying no was so difficult when someone would ask me to do something, um, it, it, figuring out what, you know, when I said no to this, I was actually saying yes to something else more important. Um, so if I said yes to this thing, I was saying no to that other thing that was more important. Um, you know, when you've got a child at home, I imagine, of course, they're more important than whatever the extra committee thing is at school. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, just to shift a little bit, um, what does well-being mean to you, Vanessa? What, what does it look like for you? Um, for me, it's around those basics. And if I've got those kind of those big building blocks then of sleep and food and movement and and just that me time, then that helps me feel like me, I guess. And it gives me the opportunity to, I get, yeah, well-being's just feeling like me and feeling good, you know. And you know when you're not and you're crabby and you're crabby with your kids and you're short and, you know, you're snapping at your husband or your partner or, you know, you're not doing the things that you want to do. But when your well-being's good, you're not like yeah. that. Yeah. And so it's kind of that recognising how you feel and what and knowing what, works for you is is it working in the morning is it working at night is it going and visiting friends or having a swim at the beach you know what is it that makes you feel good and feel like you and gives you that energy boost to come back yeah I love that that idea of like feeling like yourself because when you are stressed and overwhelmed and you know everything you know all the well-being practices are out the window you, you don't feel like yourself or you're certainly not like <laughs> I certainly don't feel like the best version of me <laughs> yeah those times and I know for me it's simple it's reading a book it's being in the sunshine outside it's playing with my son it's going to the beach it's you know it's nothing it's not big and expensive or having to get massages or you know anything like that but it's going to yoga or yeah or having you know, a bit of a time out having a few minutes in the morning to have a shower yeah, you know, simple things, having with, a hot cup of tea. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and and I think that's really encouraging. I hope that's really encouraging for people listening because it doesn't have to be hugely time-consuming or expensive or, um, you know, loads of effort because when you're already feeling under the under the pump with all the to-do lists and, and exhausted from, you know, the long days, it can feel like I've just, I don't have any time to look after me. But, but do you have 10 minutes to have a cup of tea? Yeah. Just... just 
calm down you know do you have you go sit minutes? in the grass outside yeah exactly can five you? minutes to read a book before bed you know, can you can you carve out those really small pockets of time just to bring yourself back to yourself yeah and it's yeah those little things that are the big things which is a bit of a cliche but mm, no it, but it, I think sometimes they're cliches for a reason <laughs> yeah um oh well that's that's really good um my last question is um what advice do you have for early career teachers for you know teachers at any stage of their career but particularly early career teachers who you know what advice do you have for them to support their physical and mental health and set themselves up for you know a really flourishing career um I think get to know yourself and that's like across what works for you how do you feel like take 30 seconds and just you know where are you feeling overwhelmed how can you just you know can you have a few big deep breaths what what do you need to come back and what what are your non-negotiables like choose one non-negotiable and just be like okay I'm going to leave my computer at home two nights a week or I'm going to shut it down at nine o'clock and I'm not going to keep working or I'm going you know and choose one non-negotiable and stick to it and don't make it oh well, I'm, I'm going to leave at school at three o'clock every day because that's unrealistic and you're going to fail but what's something that you can do that's achievable that's long lasting and then once you kind of go okay then what's another one and until you're kind of going and you can't look at you know, the teacher next door and what works for them or how they teach or that teacher on Pinterest or the resources that someone has because if they've been teaching for five or 10 or 20 years, they're going to teach differently. Mm. I know when I first started and I was in a high school and I'm, you know, quite small, I'm 50 kilos, I'm teaching English and this big six foot six industrial arts teacher is telling me about behaviour management yeah. and I'm just like, what works for you is not going to work for me. I'm sorry. Like, Absolutely right. You know, yeah, that's great for you. But, you know, you try and teach this kid to read Shakespeare that doesn't want to. Of course he wants to do it with you because you're, you know, hammering and soaring and doing fun things. And, exactly. You know, and you're a captain of the footy team and, you know, I've got to do it my way. And Yeah, I like that. Do it your figure way. Figure out your voice. Yeah, 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 that's beautiful. And, and the non-negotiables. Just pick one and once you feel like that's kind of pretty solid, maybe then think about adding another. <laughs> yeah, and just and don't try to do them all at once. Don't overhaul everything because that's just going to overwhelm you more. And if you're already overwhelmed and then you're adding 20 to-do lists and I'm going to meditate for half an hour a day and then I'm going to go for a jog and then I'm going to do yoga and then I'm going to eat. Perfectly. You know, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh. Yeah, and, I'm, and my classroom's going to look like that one on Pinterest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're setting yourself up for for some severe disappointment <laughs> yeah and then you're going to feel worse and then you're going to give up everything and just eat chips and chocolate and <laughs> yeah well that's what I would do anyway if <laughs> no, I, I, I've been there too it's um and there's going to be those moments as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's going to be those moments too and just try and get back on track as best you can <laughs> yeah and even if it's just having like when you get to go to the toilet at school and just having a few deep breaths in there and going okay <sighs> That's a really good tip, actually. Just take a few extra minutes in the bathroom. No one will bother you there. We've got, like, signs on the back of our door because our school, it's, it's quite supportive and they realise that we have extra challenges and it's, you know, what, how, how are you feeling today and what's great about today and is there anything that's, you know, sticking with you and can you flush it? Can you just get rid of it? Or, oh, you know, if you can't, what, what can you do? You know, you can talk to this person or this person and it just kind of, I mean, you're in the toilet anyway, so it's just on the back of the door. Where you... That's a really nice idea, just to, to, I suppose, shift the focus as well so that you've got something more positive to, a, a more positive question to ask yourself. Yeah. 
And if there is something, well, what can you do about it? You know, don't just keep stewing over it, but what's the plan of attack? Yeah, yeah, solutions focused. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Well, that's a beautiful place to leave it. Thank you so much, Vanessa. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there.